Right, I think they were shouting you down out here. <laughs> Ryan just said, that's Rob. It's Jesus, and it's the cross of Christ. And I, I was just on the front row, just echoing in my heart. Bye, guys. I will boast only in the cross of Christ. We are here um, a people who are greatly boastful in the cross. For it's in the cross of Christ that the world dies to me and I die to the world. It's in the cross that the kingdom of Jesus Christ comes alive to me and I come to life in things that are eternal and that carry and that are, that are vital. And I, I long to be a part of what Jesus is doing for the sake of his glory. And so I, I have a really simple sentence. I'm supposed to share it in a few minutes, but I, I will share it now. Here's, here's what I would say to you could be the summary of um, the redemptive series. Here's what I would share with you as my hope for us. You and I are called faithful because of the Son of God. Sounds really, um, really simple and maybe a little too simple for you at this moment. So I'll just keep expanding on that. You and I are called redeemed because of the Son of God. You and I are called rescued because of the Son of God. You and I are called a people of hope because of the Son of God. You and I are called a people of righteousness because of the Son of God. You and I are called faultless in the heavenly realms because of the Son of God. You and I, are, we are robed in righteousness and we are cleansed and made new because of the Son of God. You and I are experiencing the redemptive work of, of God in Christ Jesus because of the Son of God. You and I have been bought back from sin and shame and we have been filled with the wellspring of life because of the Son of God. You and I walk about today through the purposes that God intends for us, not because we have done well, because He did well. We believe and we are sustained and we are impassioned by the cross of Christ, but also the empty tomb of Christ because we who were once dead in our sins and trespasses have been made alive by Jesus Christ. And so therefore we are called faithful by the Son of God. So we revel in that. And when, we are, when we're singing a beautiful song and staking our lives there, we are crying out, God, it is you and you alone that we long to celebrate and long to worship. And so um, we are not closing a series, an Easter series called Redemption. I'm praying that we are a people of a redemptive community from, well, for eternity, for heaven's sake. And so we are, uh, we are um, closing some teaching on this out of Colossians 1 and Ephesians 4. If you want to turn to both, that's great. And we are um, closing some thoughts and opening our hearts toward where Jesus will carry us as we are people that are so thankful that we're called faithful and rescued and redeemed and we are filled with hope. If you were here last weekend, um, there was a... Nice little illustration up here about um, our lives and what it meant to just cry out for hope in Jesus. This jar was filled with orange balls, kind of symbolically representing our lives um, before Jesus. Our lives that are filled with hope, but really filled with futility in and of itself. And really the message at Easter was this, that there's, there's nothing that we're bringing to the table except for futility and hopelessness. And then Jesus... Jesus steps in and we invite him 
um, to be our story and to write our lives. And if you were here, I just pulled out some gallon jugs of water and said, it's, it's not really your role to take and toss these things out of your life. It's your role to, it's a good spot for that. It's your role to invite Jesus to be your life. And as he comes into your life, and the scripture says it this way, he is living water. He is immeasurable water pouring through you. And his water pours into your life. And rather than you sucking it up and being better, you are a person who is receiving the fullness of the life of Christ. And his life is pouring through you. And his, as his life pours through you the life that is actually death, the hopelessness, the fault. All that you bring to the table is emptied and all that is left remaining is the reality of the immeasurable grace and love of God in Christ that is the wellspring of your life. And unlike me, as I shared last week, who's pouring out jugs that will ultimately run dry, Jesus is unending water. He is the bomb for our soul. He is the hope of our life. That's who Jesus is. And so we come worshiping him. And the reality is, as we walk through this life, I kind of brought this back today to talk about redemption and the power of hope and the promise of possibility through Jesus. The reality of our life is that there's always some orange balls, some some things that have defined us, some disappointments that have come into our life, some joys that we celebrate, some things that could easily mark who we are. They're floating around, and the only way to remove them is not to seek God's help in doing better. It is to ask God to fill your life and pour his life through you. But this is the reality. Many of us still walk in today dealing with the orange balls of disturbances, of um, we talked last week about a diagnosis and a good friend of a friend of mine that just he just simply said to him, is this diagnosis going to define you or are you going to allow the freedom of who Jesus is to be the defining moment of your life? And so the question that I have for you is this, what are you going to learn and what is Jesus teaching you and how will he shape you as a result of this orange ball that dropped into your life? How will you allow him to leave his name as the only thing standing in the midst of that? And that's, that's my prayer for us as I pray for redemption for us, that there will be this, this story as we are sorting out, or as Philippians 2 says, we're working out our salvation with awe and with trembling as Christ, listen, listen to this, as Christ works within you to will and to act for his good pleasure as he works within you, he is working out these things that seek to define you and he is pouring them out and to, and the soil of his life is becoming your life. That, that is glorious. And that is the hope that we have as we just continuously walk in Jesus. And so I, I just come sharing redemption. In Colossians, the first chapter, verses um, 13 and 14, there are very familiar verses if you've been here. We actually taught through Colossians a year or two ago. And it says these words, He being God has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Praise you, Lord. And not only did he rescue us from the domain of darkness, but he transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He transferred us into the kingdom of Christ. 
we watched a symbolic representation of that earlier in the service as, um, as both Sarah and Everett were demonstrating symbolically the transfer of the living God from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of God. That transfer is a marker. It is once and forever. It is a beautiful act of God in Christ through the cross where we said to him, we need you. Redeem our stories, Lord. Whatever age we approached and met Jesus, at that moment, he transferred us once and forever into his kingdom. My heart just shouted right then. Yours was a little more quiet. And so he transferred us. And then listen to this. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then it carries on in verse 15 or 16. It says, and you and I, we are found holy and faultless and blameless through Christ. Redemption. I I was running around with varying stories of redemption. And my mind um, ran to a a story I heard from the um, video that was based on the study experiencing God. And so um, this is a little talkback moment. Um, Just share with me the first word you think of or the first words you think of when I say the next thing. So you ready for this? Um, If your neighbor um, drifted, just elbow him. You you get to talk right now. Just tell me what you think of. Some of you um, can cheat on this. So if you know, don't cheat. But what do you think of when you hear Angola prison? Feedback. Hardened, hardened criminals. Angola. <laughs> it's definitively in, in the heart of Louisiana, one of the largest um, regions in Louisiana because it's surrounded by swamp. You may have been there, Phil. <laughs> he, apparently he knows. I don't know what y'all were reading into my statement, but uh, Angola, hardened prisoners... Billy Graham, did you just say that? Beautiful. Some of you don't know the story. Yeah, Billy Graham's casket, along with his wife's casket, was built in Angola because of what I'm about to share, a story of redemption. Powerful story of redemption. Angola is, is, was, 15 years ago, um, the most violent prison in America. It's in the heart of Louisiana. Um, It is surrounded, Phil, by swamps. The, uh, The warden, his name is Burl Kane. I'm not sure if he is retired at this point. But uh, the warden um, laughed and said, you can get over our wire, but you'll never get out of our territory. You know, this is where we are. Burl is an avid follower of Jesus. He is a no-nonsense guy. He's also, at that point, um, for a decade or more, was well, for 25 years or more, was the, uh, was the uh, warden of the prison. I didn't say chaplain. Make sure you hear this. He's the warden of the prison. And he's just beginning to recognize that there is a redemptive story of God and Christ that needed to be written into the heart of a prison. So... Uh, he began to just ask God, how would you move in a redemptive manner through this prison for the sake of your glory? And so he just began a discipleship process. He forged a discipleship process on fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who shared his faith. And he moved that process of discipleship with uh, groups of one on three as they walked through a study entitled Experiencing God. That began to take hold as they began to experience God and more and more came to know Christ. I'm a little bit proud of this moment because this is my seminary. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary began to hear about this movement in their state. And so they said, we want in on this movement, move in and in a conversation with the warden of the prison and ask, how can we come alongside you and serve you for what God seems to be doing in the 
hearts of the men and women, or the women, the men that make up this prison. How can we serve what God is doing here? And so um, the prison warden came alongside and just simply said, you can serve us because some of our guys have moved so far down the road of discipleship that they are longing to be pastors and ministers. And listen to this, they are longing to plant churches inside this prison wall. So New Orleans moved in and began a four-year extension plan that brought out graduates of seminary out of, um, out of Angola prison. I have some pictures that can be on the screen at any point. There's two or three of them, not a lot. Just kind of showing you uh, Burl or others. And so um, that's the prison warden. That's Burl. He does, has done magnanimous things. And so as they are moving along, they just started to have worship encounters and God was moving. And they, they just describe it this way. I'll read the description. It was pretty beautiful. They were, uh, the chapels were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were rocking with heartfelt gospel as inmates, as musicians and choirs and pastors as they were speaking life into what God was doing. The seminary started, and as the seminary moved forward, many of them were ordained as pastors. And this part moved my heart, because I believe we should begin to ask the redemptive story of what God is doing here. Because as they begin to fall in love with Jesus, the inmates begin to ask this question, what if what God is doing is bigger than these four walls or these fences? What if God wants to do something with us? Listen, this is what an inmate in prison asked as they were experiencing the redemptive work of God. By the way, when there's a video for this, and I'll probably show it sometime in the near future, but um, they're walking through and they said, look, I know you may be nervous walking in these walls of Angola. This is the safest place in the entire state. More than 55% of the population that make up Angola prison today are rescued into the domain of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Here's, here's the part that just moved my heart. This has moved my heart. Seminary graduates who felt called to ministry then approached the warden and said, what can we do about this in context of the system? And so here's what happened in context of the system. Two by two, they were sent out to other prisons around Louisiana to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ and to plant churches inside the prison walls. And they made it clear to us, no extra favors, no shortened sentences, no extra good, just the heart of the gospel and saying, this is where God has placed us for life. This is our orange ball. So if this is our orange ball, it is not a disappointment to the heart of God. So how can we prepare our hearts for who we are in Jesus Christ for the sake of his glory? And how can we carry his gospel? And so two by two, they carried it out. It says that in one year alone, as they carried it to prisons, 15,000 gospel contacts were shared. 150 were baptized in the first year. I'm just reading this. I mean, listen, I'm reading this story and listening to this going, oh, wow, Lord. Oh, wow, Lord, hope is alive here. Here's what Burl said. Here's three things you should know for certain that people think of prisoners. Society considers them to be non-persons. A despairing prisoner is a person with no hope and a dangerous one. But no one is beyond God's love and his redemption. And therefore, Louisiana's prisons are experiencing a revival of the spirit of the living God for the sake of God himself. And I would just ask you, I'm wondering, as they looked at their circumstance, if they said, can the orange ball define us? Can the circumstances of our life define us? Or when we are filled with the Spirit of God and the fullness of who he is, can he move us in context of where life has taken us? Listen to that. Because I fully acknowledged last week, and if you weren't here last weekend, 
I fully acknowledge and understand in this room that there are weighty issues in this room, that these orange balls aren't ping pong balls for you, and it's not a trite illustration. I am just wondering if God is capable of taking the circumstances, the disappointments, the hurts, and turning them into the hope and the promise and the passion for the advance of the kingdom of Christ. And the greatest risk I think we have is that these orange balls, we've allowed them to define us. And we, as a people of Christ, we have the capacity to tap into the immeasurable riches of God in Christ. And so I come back to my thesis sentence today. And I just share it again. You and I are called faithful because of his son. You and I are called hope-filled because of his son. You and I are called faultless because of the son of Christ. You and I are deemed worthy because of his son. If I could speak one thing into this room, it is not what you have brought to the table. It is the cross of Christ. And it is the hope of his glory. I enjoy sharing life with Susan today. I probably have mentioned her twice, which is two times too many for her, but she's not here. She woke up the other morning, and Vicki, this is one of the books you share with her at Christmas. And I've put this prayer on the um, screen because this is a prayer that she read uh, from some of the church fathers and just this powerful message of Jesus. But we're, as we walk through the season of God, the orange balls define us. Here's, here's how we were charged to pray. Here's how I was charged to pray. How few are those who truly pray? Few are they who desire what is truly good. Listen to this. Listen. Crosses. External and internal humiliation. Renouncements of our wills. The death of self. And and this sentence will grip me for the rest of my days. The establishment of God's throne upon the ruins of self-love. These are indeed good. Not to long to pray these is not to pray. Now, I don't expect you to embrace this immediately today. I just expect you to write it down. And I will also put it out today on social network. And I expect you to wrestle with this and begin to ask, God, are the ruins of self-love in my life, are they staked with the cross of Jesus? Am I praying in the midst of this, God, bring out external and internal humiliation for the sake of the cross because I long to die to myself? Because I want to read you a sentence again. We are called faithful because of the cross. We don't like that because we're, we're puritanical. We do good. We're good in this room. God, I am coming and begging you, crucify my life so that it might come alive fully to your life. Father, I am sitting in the prison cell of my own self-love. Would you allow me to bring that to a place of ruin so that the cross of Jesus Christ could stand tall in my life? That is the redemptive work of God in Christ. That is the powerful rendering of the majesty of the Christian life. And I fear that we have ruined it by bringing it down into a subset of standards and moral codes that we live. And may the moral codes of our lives be the ruined heel of the cross. 
for the hope and sake of the gospel and for the possibility and promise of being able to proclaim to Jesus, we are called redeemed because of your son. Ezekiel 37 is a place where I just, my heart went throughout this week and it says this, you will know that I am the Lord, my people. This is verses 13 and 14 of chapter 37 of Ezekiel. My people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. We are called faithful in the midst of our dry bones in a dry and weary land when our hearts are turned to the fullness of who Jesus is and we make proclamation that we long for a hill called Calvary. I mean, our hearts would have risen up in us as we were listening to Rob and the choir sing it. We stand on the cross in the in the shadow of the cross of Calvary, shouting out, glory to God, we are rescued, redeemed, faithful, hope-filled because of this cross. We have been made new because of this cross. Praise you, Lord. That's the redemptive work of Easter. That's the hope that we have, that we have come to this. I, I just read this again. We are renouncing our will, the death of self, the establishment of God's throne upon the ruins of self-love. The establishment of God's throne upon the ruins of self-love. Glory to God. I believe not only did he breathe life into us, I started to think about um, Ezekiel 37 in light of just this next thought, and this is my ending thought. He breathed life into us that we might breathe that life into others. He brought us alive so that we could stand in the midst of this world. We could stand in the midst of the hope of Jesus and say, Lord, breathe life to us. And he sees us in our pain and our sorrow and says, I long to bring you life. I long to bring you hope. I long for you then to speak life. I am asking, inviting you to step in and look at the mess and the bloodied lives around you and stand in the middle of them. As I prepare to read Ezekiel 37, I had this vision as I was reading this, and I've always interpreted this way, a very very um, simple way to interpret Ezekiel 37, which is the valley of dry bones, is to simply understand that Jesus was talking to Israel and saying, I have more in store for this. I have my covenant relationship in store for this. But then I began to bring it into the context of who I am. And I recognize that this is my own life. I stand calf deep in a valley of dry bones. I stand in the middle of a broken and hurting world. And I have been made alive with Jesus so that I could speak that life into this world. So I could look into this world and say, hey, I just want you to know there is a God who will knit together bone and sinew, who will bring to life and breathe life into us. He is the air that I breathe. He is the hope of my soul. And I long to speak that life into you. And I don't know where you land in this, but I want to walk into a valley of ping pong balls and speak the hope of Jesus Christ. That's the role we have as a church. To say there is no path that is too far from the redemptive name and the person of Christ. Ezekiel 37 says, The hand of the Lord was on me. Could I just say that again so that we could just begin to pray that for ourselves? The hand of the Lord was on me. Let it be, Lord. And he brought me out by spirit. 
And he set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me all around them. There were a great many of the surface of the valley. And they were very, very dry. And then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said to him, Lord, God, it's you. Only you know. Here's, here's my role. I'm stepping in. I'm going to wade in, Lord. And it is a valley of orange peanut. It's a valley of disappointments. It is a valley of hurt. It is a valley that is a very dry land. Oh, God. I have met you. And you have satisfied my soul. And so I bring with me the hope and the promise of Jesus. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they're dry. And he said, can these bone lives? Lord God, you know. And he said, prophesy, speak concerning them, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow and cover you with skin. I will breathe into you life and you'll know that I am the Lord. He sees us. He turns toward us and he will never turn away. And perhaps, just perhaps, we are the vehicles by which Jesus will use to speak into a valley that is extraordinarily dry. That has no water. So here we come. I'm a little, I really want to pour this out right now, and I'm afraid I would be electrocuted. So I don't want to illustrate it that much. But I'm just, I mean, here we come. We are bringing a cup of cold water. No, no, we're bringing the full measure of Jesus Christ with us. And we come, we are satisfied. We are a people that are fully in love with God. And we just come rejoicing. That's our story. This is our song. We're a group that stands calf deep in the middle of this. I, I had the most beautiful conversation, and I'll close with this. I have a friend. He's not here right now. He's typically here, and I think he's heading out west to do some fly fishing. And so um, he, he popped by on his way and just said, I've got to tell you a story, and it's so good. And I just reveled in the story of the faithfulness of God because we had, a, we had a pretty exciting gathering last weekend, right? I mean, we just Easter, we celebrated the resurrected Jesus. Um, he just told me a, a story of a friend that he's been sharing life with for three years. And he started off just by fixing his roof. Found out that, um, that he needed some people to just process and share life with. And so they just started talking off and on for the last three years. Meanwhile, he just kind of served him around his house, uh, met some needs, stood in the valley of dry bones, stood around a whole bunch of orange balls and just said, can, can I just make some reparations and do life with you? Another guy came along and started mowing his grass and they just found out they were kindred brothers in Christ so they just kind of kept walking around in the valley of dry bones just saying, this is, this is what I want to be about, this is how I want to serve you. And it was an ongoing uh, conversation and he said, I just want to tell you what happened on Easter morning is that um, he wrote me and he said, because they've been asking, been talking a lot over the last months and kind of moving toward this journey, but he said, I hope you have an incredible day with your people celebrating your resurrected Jesus. And he wrote him back and he said, I would love for him to be your resurrected Jesus as well. This is a text in our service last Sunday in the morning. And he said, I am not good enough for this. 
And so by 2 o'clock that afternoon, he found out that that was true. But the cross of Jesus Christ was more than sufficient for this. And I, I sat with Doc as he celebrated Easter, and he said, I just, I just want you to know that there's more going on in this room than you can tell, even by what you think God's doing with the people in this room, because the people in this room have been out in this community serving them for a while, and they drop text in the middle of the room, so that I'm sitting there home in the, home in the middle of the afternoon, so that Jesus is resurrected from the dead last Sunday, but he was resurrected in the life of a brother that Sunday as well. And I believe that you and I are called faithful and we're able to serve this world because of the Son of God who came not to be served but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. And I believe that we stand in the middle of orange balls in this world making declaration of the hope of Christ because we have been satisfied. And in making that declaration, we are carrying the satisfying work of Jesus Christ to others. And we are saying to them, you don't have to be good enough. We have crucified that idea a long time ago. We just want you to come to a hill called Calvary and find one who is good enough, who is sufficient who satisfies every issue that you face, who satisfies your need for a Savior, who satisfied your fault, who satisfies your brokenness, and who satisfies your soul. Would you like to know Him? And the answer last Sunday at 2 was, yes, I would. And I, I am just praying that a group of us who have and are and will consistently walk through on this planet a valley of dry bones, that we will experience the deep, wondrous quenching of the thirst of Jesus Christ, who is with us, who is for us, and who satisfies our soul. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, we, we love you. And we are faithful because you were faithful. God, we are breathing in the life that you give because you have breathed it through us. We are faultless because you are faultless. We are a people filled with hope, not because the, the circumstances of our life are filled with that, but because you are. God, we are a people who are standing on the ruins of self-love and lifting the only banner, the only hope that holds us together, and it's the cross. And so God, I pray that we would be a people of immense prayer, extraordinary passion, beautiful love, the grace and the forgiveness of Christ that draws us toward him and toward one another. And that God, we will carry that into this, this extremely thirsty world. God, we will give the water that supplies. Oh, for the cross we pray. For the empty tomb we revel. We typically close our services just with a heart of prayer. We have a song that we sing, an altar that is open. Some pastors at the front, if you would like to hear someone pray for you. been really challenged by Matt, our student pastor, as he returned from Miami. And again, by a group of prisoners in Angola who in a year's time were burdened not just in a preacher's sermon but were burdened by a valley of dry bones. So much so 
but that they would go out as disciples two by two and speak life to 15,000 imprisoned. So I'm not just praying that you will wrestle solely with yourself. I'm praying that you will wrestle for the sake of the greater Mandarin area, for North St. John's, for Orange Park, San Marcos, Greater Jacks. I'm praying that you will wrestle as a disciple of Jesus to, to move to a place of the ruins of self-love so that the cross of Christ stands. There is a city that awaits a body of believers who will pray for death of self, death of small dreams, who will pray for the hope of the resurrection, the promise of redemption, the peace of Christ, the rule of his kingdom. So I wonder how we'll venture out of here in days to come as deeper disciples, two by two, carrying the name of Jesus. I don't end this sermon having answers. I end this sermon calling you to prayer. So we're going to sing. We've opened an altar. We've read his word. And I pray that we'll invite the spirit to be himself through us, to us. Glorify yourself in the next moments as we offer ourselves to you, Jesus, we pray. Would you stand with me if you would like to come and just kneel before the Lord your God, come. To talk to a pastor, come. To just simply worship heart and soul, worship. Worship.